You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Would you take your Bibles and open up to Haggai? Haggai chapter 1. Um, this is our third week in our Haggai series. And I haven't mentioned it at all, but the series is actually uh, titled, Now is the Time. And after spending two weeks in just the first 11 verses of Haggai, uh, I think we can see all the more why that is such an appropriate title. Remember, um, uh, the temple in Jerusalem has been lying in ruins for 70 plus years. Uh, the Jewish people were released from captivity in Babylon, uh, and they began to come back to, to Jerusalem. But rather than um, finishing the work of rebuilding the temple, they began to build their own homes. And as we saw last week, they built some really fine homes. They lived in paneled houses, and uh, they neglected uh, the, the, the house of God, the, the temple. It still lay in ruins, and they excused this by saying, Really, no, now is not the time. It's not the time to rebuild the temple. Uh, and God's response through Haggai was, no, now is the time. Now is the time to rebuild the temple. So what we've seen so far is that the Jews who had returned from Jerusalem were very self-centered. They had placed their own priorities above God's. Um, they were a neglectful group of people. Their priorities were misaligned, but they were also a disobedient group of people. And you might say, well, were they lazy or were, were they disobedient? How do we know that they were disobedient? Well, remember in the first week I said Ezra and Nehemiah, and Haggai are deeply intertwined. So if you were to go back to uh, Ezra chapter 1, you would find that um, after the Babylonian captivity, while the Jews were still in Jerusalem, um, King Cyrus, king of Persia, actually, uh, when you read chapter 1 of, of Ezra, it says he was appointed by God to build a temple in Jerusalem. He had a divine appointment. His assignment was to make sure that the temple was rebuilt in Jerusalem. So with that, he makes an announcement to the people who were there, the Jews who were there. He said, um, captivity's over. Anyone who wants to go back to Jerusalem, you are free to go. The condition is, is that you're going understanding that your mission, your goal, the intent is that you will rebuild, you will uh, construct God's temple. And so off they go a large portion of them, off they go. And when they get there, they begin to rebuild the temple, but suddenly there's opposition and the opposition is just too much. So they stop building. And it's not only that they stop building, but they stop building for 16 years. For 16 years, they were guilty of neglect and disobedience. And as a result, they suffered the consequences we saw that last week. They suffered the consequences. Um, today, uh, still in chapter 1, we're going to finish it up. We're going to look at verses 12 through 15. And what I love about these verses is that we see a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of attitude in the Jewish people. They actually move from disobedience to obedience. And so, uh, the heart, the goal, the intent for us today, because we've been talking about how do you take these Old Testament verses and apply them to your life, is that possibly, probably there are areas in our life where we're um, 
uh, neglectful, where we're disobedient to something that God has been asking us to do, and that we would be a people who would move from disobedience to obedience. And so that's kind of the setup. Um, I have a question that I want to ask you as we move on, but before I do, uh, there are several uh, passages of scripture that I need to read before I can. And you don't need to turn to these. I'm just going to read. And I'm going to start all the way back in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read about 17 verses to you. So just listen as I read. Uh, Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, a above or on earth below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that it may live, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What did I just read? The Ten Commandments. What are they all about? Why did God give us commandments? What are we to do with these commandments? Not a trick question. <laughs> Obey? Okay, good, good. Uh, listen to this. In um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Again, what did, what did I just read? What are, what's contained in those verses? Commandments. Yeah, and, and, and what does it say we're to do with the commandments? Obey, impress them on your heart, live them out, pass them on to your children, be examples. Let me, let me read one more to you. This one's in um, John uh, chapter 15, and this is what it says. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for, for, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Again, what do we find? We find the command to love one another. Thinking about all that I read, and those are just some of the commandments that we find in Scripture, 
Why does God give us commandments? Not just to obey, that's, that's a given, but why does God give us commandments? They're relational. What else? Is there a purpose for the commandments? Well, they enable us to live a full life. They enable us to live a full life. Anybody, anybody else? You're all right. So you're, uh, Think about this. Have you, uh, uh, imagine that you're driving down Interstate 77 and uh, uh, you started out early. You were up at 4.30 in the morning. You were on the road by 5.30. Um, now you're on your way home. It's been a long, hard day. It's late. It's night. And you find you are really tired and you're actually sleepy while you're driving. Has that ever happened to you? Suddenly, you doze while you're driving. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. It's really scary. You're driving and you doze. And while you doze, you either begin to veer over into uh, the lane beside you, or you might veer off into the um, shoulder of, of the interstate. And as you're veering, you're abruptly woken by a You know what I'm talking about? What you're hearing, it's either the bots in the road, that's what they're called, I learned that this week, the bots, B-O-T-T-S, uh, they're in the lane, or if you um, veer off to the, to the shoulder, it's, it's the rumble strip. Uh, it, what, what did that rumble strip, or what did those bots do? They woke you up. And what did you do when you woke up? You pulled back into the right lane, right? You got in the lane that you were supposed to do. Those bots, those rumble strips are there to alert us of, of pending danger, right? Uh, think about this. Uh, you decide uh, in the fall, it's October, uh, mid to late October, and you want to go up and see the color up in the mountains. And so you go up and you're uh, driving the Blue Ridge Parkway and on the parkway, it it's, it's, can be really curvy. And sometimes while you're driving, there can be a, a pretty steep uh, mountainside drop off uh, to, to your side, to, to the passenger side. What do you typically see where those places are? Well, yeah, there's sometimes a pull off so you can look at the leaves. Uh, guardrails. There, there are guardrails. Why are those guardrails there? To keep you from driving off the mountainside, right? Now, we can take the same principle and apply it to all of God's commands that he gives us. God's commands, the commandments, the directives, the principles, the precepts, the concepts we find in Scripture are like uh, the bots in the road <clears throat> between the lane. They're like the rumble strip. Um, they're like the guardrail. In fact, there are spiritual guardrails. There are spiritual bots. There, there are spiritual rumble strips that uh, keep us in the right lane. The, the commandments help us. When, when we're uh, in life, we're veering off. There's a spiritual rumble strip. He's found here in the Word, and it pulls us back into the right lane. Those guardrails... Spiritual guardrails, the commandments are like spiritual guardrails, and they keep us from driving off the mountainside of life, making the really wrong choice 
oftentimes we look at God's commands as something that restrict us. They're not there to restrict us. They're there to protect us. God gives us his commands so it helps us arrive at his best for our life. That's how we need to view the commands. And while this is true, because God's given us free choice, he doesn't impose the commands on us. He doesn't force the commands on us. Instead, he gives us a choice. And the choice is we can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. What is obedience? Obedience to the command. The commands is simply a matter of hearing, trusting, and surrendering to God. God, as I, as I have your Holy Spirit reveal your directives, your commands in Scripture, I choose not to see them as something that's trying to shortchange me in life, something that's trying to restrict me, but instead I surrender to the fact that you have something better for me than I can imagine. And so I surrender, I surrender to your word, I surrender to your way. Um, when we choose to obey, it's important that we understand it should never be with uh, resentment in our heart. You know, God's trying to tell me what to do. Actually, he is. Uh, he, he's trying to force me to, no, you don't do it with resentment, but instead we do it with the understanding that God loves us. He cares about us. He cares for us and he knows what's best for us. So the best choice is to, is to choose to obey. However, if we choose to disregard, to, to neglect, to disobey God's commands, let me ask you, is there a price to pay? Yeah. There's a price to say. We see this all throughout the story of the Bible. We saw it true with the children of Israel um, in their desert wanderings. We even saw it true of them after they entered into the promised land. When there was disobedience, there was always consequences. We saw it as we looked in Haggai chapter 1 last week because they were neglectful, because they were disobedience, disobedient. There were consequences to pay. Remember, God said, you know, you, you planted crops, um, uh, yet I held the, the rain and the drought because you, your priorities were messed up. Uh, you put money in the bank, but it was like putting uh, money in a purse with holes in it. And you ask why, and it's because I, I blew it all away. In other words, because they chose to disobey, there was a consequence to pay. We see this uh, confirmed in the New Testament. Listen as I read to you Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And you're thinking, Pastor Stan, I came to church for a feel-good message. I really didn't come for you to tell me that if I disobey God, I'm going to suffer the consequences. I would rather experience the blessings. It's pretty straightforward right here. I mean, it, it, it's pretty straightforward. I love, in the New Living Testament, it says, Don't be deceived. God's justice is not mocked. 
In other words, because God is a God of justice, he holds us accountable for the decisions that we make, for the choices we make. So if we're disobedient, if we make bad choices that go against God's word, God's way, God's will, then what are, we, uh, what are the consequences? Bad consequences, right? We, we, we reap what we sow. But if we, if we make right choices according to God's word, according to God's way, then we're sowing those and then we reap uh, life-giving outcomes. And this is what we see played out uh, in Haggai chapter 1. They saw that there was always a cost for disobedience. Uh, because of their neglect in building the temple, because of their misaligned priorities, because of their disobedience, God withdrew his favor. We saw that very clearly as we looked at the verses last week. God withdrew his favor. If you and I <coughs> choose a continual life of disobedience, you know what happens? We remove ourselves. It's a choice we make, and we remove ourselves from under God's favor. Uh, the blessings are withdrawn until there's a change of heart and attitude. There's a repentance. Uh, the Jews in Jerusalem experienced a drought in every area of their life. Every area of their life was filled with misery. Listen, when we choose to live in disobedience, the ultimate payback is hardship and challenge because we're going to reap what we sow. The Jews of Jerusalem, because of their disobedience, chose to open up their lives to pain and regret. They were without, and they were asking why. And God said, you were disobedient, and I blew it all away. Your priorities were out of order. They were misaligned, and I blew it all away. And the same is true for us. When we choose to live a life of continual disobedience, we invite pain and misery as the payoff. It just, it's just how it is. I'm sorry if that doesn't make us feel good. But remember, God's commands are designed that we could experience his best. So it, it's really kind of easy. It's actually something we could celebrate. That God has given us something that causes us to be able to know how to make the right choices. And so for just a moment, I want, I want to stop and I want... I want to ask you to just take some time to consider something. I want you to think about this. Can you identify a time in your life where you experienced um, the absence of God's favor and um, as a result of being disobedient to God in some area of your life, uh, you began to experience um, pain, challenge, misery, in some or maybe every area of your life. You, you, you chose to misalign yourself with God's best for you and, and you began to live out the consequences. Just think about that for a moment, okay? Just think about it. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Um, did, did you in those, did, did you truly reap the consequences of the bad decision? Um, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back, can you see how God's um, commands within Scripture were actually there 
as your guardrail, your, your, your rumble strip, that you um, were driving through life and, and you, you began to veer off and you heard the rumble strip and you said, well, if I just move on over, I'll get over it. And then I can do what I want to do. Or, or you, you get where I'm going with this, right? Because that's often what we do. It's like, maybe the consequence will just be short. So if I can just get over into the other lane, you know, the problem is then you're in the wrong lane. Because remember, God gave us his commands as our spiritual guardrails. Uh, the, the, they lead us. Uh, they, they guide us. Um, the reason I'm asking us to consider this is I think this is a Holy Spirit moment. That you can look back and think about what you learned, what you experienced, and then allow the Holy Spirit right now to affirm to you once again that his commands are good and they're right and he gave them to us so we could have the fullest life possible. And so why would we possibly want to drive in the wrong lane? Because we already know. We've experienced the consequences before. Maybe you're still experiencing some of the consequences of some of those decisions. As we look back in Haggai chapter 1 at verses 12 and 15, uh, which we want to do now, all of this was leading to this. We can see that this people of disobedience heard Haggai's word, and Haggai's first prophetic message had become a success. Uh, the whole purpose of his message was that God was using him, God was speaking through Haggai to move the people towards the rebuilding of the temple, rebuilding of God's house, moving him, moving them towards obedience. And we know that it became a success because uh, what we read is that after about a month of gathering the plans and the resources, remember, we said they listened, but they also obeyed. They began to build. And so let me read to you just verses 12 through 15. And uh, we'll talk about it just a little bit. Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Isn't that interesting? That's the word that God had for us from Isaiah chapter 43 this morning. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shethio, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Did you see? They moved from disobedience to obedience. These verses actually give the account of the success of Haggai's prophecy. And there's, there's three things that I want to draw out from these verses. The first is just the, the mere fact that they obeyed. This is phenomenal in the life of the children of Israel, the Jewish people, that typically they didn't obey, but they have heard the voice of God and they obeyed. The second thing that I want to draw out is this. Um, I, I want to believe that because um, 
uh, Zerubbabel, the governor, and, and, and Joshua, the high priest. So these are men who are leaders among the people. Because they're mentioned, because they're referenced first, um, I, I want to believe, and I believe that it's true, that as these men, these leaders, heard the word of God through Haggai, that their hearts were stirred first. And that there was a change of heart and mind and attitude in these two leaders. And they were the first to obey. Therefore, as leaders, they led the way in obedience. Now think about this. Every single person in this room is a leader in some right. If you're a father, you're a leader. If you're a mother, you're a leader. If you're a grandfather, you're a leader. If you're a grandmother, you're a leader. If you're a big brother, you're a leader. If you're a little brother, you're a leader. If you're a boss, you're a leader. You get where I'm going with this? You, everybody in this room leads somebody. And so could it be that we would live our lives in such a way that we don't live in stubbornness and disobedience to God's commands, but we would live our lives in such a way that we are examples and we lead the way in obedience. We lead the way of obedience in our home, in our marriage, in our family, in our workplace, in our community. And by doing so, we experience God's best for us, but we also help others to do the same. The third thing that I want to draw out is that we're told that they obeyed because they um, feared the Lord. Now, we know that the fear of the Lord is a good thing, right? Uh, the fear of the Lord. Um, through Haggai's corrective word, they understood that God was displeased with their disobedience and that the drought uh, was both punishment and correction. That's what they gained from the corrective word. And because they, they, they knew this now to be true, they feared that unless there was a change in their hearts, in their lives, in their actions, that these uh, punishments, these corrections would continue and maybe in a more severe manner. And that was very, very possible. They feared the Lord. And it was right that they would fear the Lord and the potential for further punishment and correction. But it was also uh, important that this fear of the Lord didn't become so displaced that uh, the effect was that it caused them to have a false view of who God actually is and how God actually acts in our life and how God loves us. See, there's a, there's a point where you can uh, cross over the line in this fear and we begin to view God as this, this hardcore, unloving, mean God who's out to get us and doesn't want us to have any fun. So it was right that they, they fear the Lord but it was also important that they not cross over into an unhealthy place. Remember, I said earlier, God gives us commands to help us arrive at his best for our lives. Well, God, knowing the fear, that even that it was a fear of the Lord, he spoke through Haggai again. And this time, it's a simple word of comfort, not correction. And it consists of four words. I am with you. I am with you. And I believe that he was saying, 
I am with you in your repentance. And I am with you in forgiveness. And I am with you to strengthen you. And I am with you to comfort you. And I am with you to equip you with everything that you need for the task at hand. I am with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll protect you. It was a short promise, but it was surely power-packed, wasn't it? I am with you. And it was enough to relieve their doubts, their fears, their discouragements. And we know this is true because in verse 14, we're told their priorities had changed and they began the construction. Listen, obedience is always the best choice. There's never a time when obedience is the wrong choice. Obedience is always the best choice. But listen to this. Obedience is not always the easiest choice, right? Obedience is not always the easiest choice, but it is the best choice. In fact, I believe that obedience is the necessity of the life of the Christ follower if we really want to experience everything that God has for us. Um, through our obedience, we experience God's best for us. But it's also important to understand that through our obedience, we have the opportunity to give our best to God. We give him our best. And here's what I mean. Obedience is our act of worship. Um, obedience is our act of worship. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find the story of King Saul and God's directive to him through Samuel to uh, annihilate the Amalekites. And when I say annihilate, God's directive was, I want you to go and I want you to wipe the Amalekites off the face of the earth. There should not be a trace at the end. So King Saul and his army um, go into battle and they wipe out all of the Amalekites with the exception of the king, and they hold back some livestock, the best of the livestock. And uh, when confronted uh, with this failure uh, of disobedience, the response from King Saul was, well, I, I did obey, but I held back the livestock so we could sacrifice. We could make a sacrifice to you. And uh, this is how Samuel replied. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. There it is again. Obedience is always the right choice. When we choose to trust God and follow his ways, our lives become worship to him. Um, we give our best through obedience because our obedience proves our love for God. In John, 1 John chapter 5, it affirms, we show our love for God by keeping His commands. We show our love for God for, by keeping His commands. Our love and our obedience to God's directives come as a natural outgrowth of our love and our gratitude for the goodness of God. Um, our obedience positions us to live in God's favor. I said it earlier, God's commands are not intended to restrict us, 
But in other words, our God's commands are there to lead us to the, perfect, the most prosperous life that we could possibly live. They're there to give us God's best. And finally, and I think this summarizes the entire uh, message, um, our obedience opens the way for God to work through our lives. Obedience opens the way. In other words, through obedience, uh, there's that offering of ourselves, the surrendering ourselves as we trust God. And in that process, what's happening is we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move the crud, the junk, uh, the, 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 the attitudes that cause us to want to disobey. Those things are getting removed out of the way. And so it opens up so that we have a clear channel of serving God and loving God and serving others and loving others. That's what happens through our obedience because of the surrender. C.S. Lewis captured it well when he says obedience is the key that opens every door. Um, what do you think about obedience? I mean, I know you'd all agree, so yeah, obedience is the best way, but how's that working out in your life? Can you identify any areas right now in your life where you know God's speaking to you about something, but you just, you even hear the rumble, spiritual rumble strips. You, you kind of bumped up against the guardrails, but you just say, uh, I want to drive in my own lane. I, I, I want to drive in my own lane. And so you just move on over those rumble strips and, and you start driving. I want to tell you, be careful because you might drive off the mountainside. There's always consequences for the wrong choice. But here's the good thing. Think about this. God has given us his word that's filled with life. It's God-breathed. And if we will commit ourselves to what we find in the word, then life opens up in a new way. And he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to say yes instead of saying no. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if there's just an area in your life right now where you're just, you're being stubborn. You know God's asking you to do something, but you just, you've been resistant. Just talk to him a minute and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm going to move from disobedience to obedience. Father God, I pray that that would just, all throughout this room, hearts would, lives, including mine, we would be changing as your Holy Spirit transforms us. And, and I just want to ask today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you hear, you're here today and you've never made the choice to trust Jesus as your Savior and bring you into relationship with God. And as a result, you look at your life and there's a lot of, cruddy stuff going on. I want to tell you today that if you will surrender your life to Christ, if you've never done this before, life will change. I'm not telling you life will be easy, but I'm going to tell you that you have new power to navigate through life and you'll have the Holy Spirit to help you, direct you in the right direction. So if you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, I just want to ask right now, everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed, but if you say today, I want to know Jesus as my Savior, I want to invite him into my heart, 
Would you just lift up your hand and let your eye catch my eye? I just want to give you that opportunity. Is there anybody in the room right now? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's you today. Anybody else? Okay, here's what I want us to do. There were two people in the room who raised their hand. I'm not pointing them out. I'm not embarrassing, but we're going to do something. We're going to pray a prayer of invitation. Uh, Together, we're going to pray this, and it's to invite Jesus into our lives. Everybody else in this room most likely has prayed it before, but you're doing it together with me right now to encourage those who are saying yes to Jesus today. And here's that spirit. Just repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, today I confess my need for Jesus as my Savior. I confess that I've made wrong choices and that I've sinned and my sin has separated me from you. So today I offer that to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come and live in my heart and my life. I commit my life to you today forever and forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate. The Bible says that when someone gives their heart to the Lord, the angels in heaven are throwing a party. I believe that's so true because it's in the Bible. So would you just join me in just offering applause to the Lord right now? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for salvation. We give you praise and glory and honor. Why don't you stand? And those who raise their hand, if you want to, you can connect with me right after service and we'll just have a brief word. Um, Everybody else, as you're going today, uh, go in God's grace and God's favor. Know he loves you and he is with you. Have a wonderful day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.